Hey everybody, Chris here. You may know us these days as the Personal Injury Mastermind, but you've discovered our roots when we first started as the Rankings Podcast. I'm glad you're here. Over the years and hundreds of episodes, we've expanded our reach while staying true to our mission. We help you and your firm dominate the competition with insights from some of the best in the legal industry. You may notice that these older episodes sound a bit different. That's because we also embrace change and growth. I hope you enjoy this episode from the vaults and listen to a few of our newer episodes while you're at it. Thanks for being here. Let's begin. The market analysis of the situation we're all living through shows that most companies right now are not investing a lot of capital. And it totally makes sense. There's a general air of hesitation and who can blame us? It's been a pretty odd year. But today's guest, Roland Frazier, is taking a very different approach. He wants you to invest not only in your company, but in other companies he wants you to acquire. And maybe we should take his advice. Roland's grown and sold numerous hugely successful companies for anything from $3 million to $4 billion. How'd he do it? Well, it all began with a book on a cassette. When I found the cassette tape album of The Psychology of Winning by Dennis Waitley and happened to pop one of the cassettes in as a newly minted driver. So he would talk about working with Olympic athletes and how just closing their eyes and imagining doing reps actually made a significant difference. That was kind of my first exposure to personal development stuff. And the quest after that becomes endless. Today on the Rankings Podcast, we discover how to multiply your firm's profits the Roland Frazier way and why mergers and acquisitions can supercharge your business even during a market downturn. Plus, we hear about the epic challenge where Roland shares this incredible business growth formula with the world for next to nothing. Find out why on the Rankings Podcast, the show where founders, entrepreneurs, and elite personal injury attorneys share their inspiring stories about what they did to get to the top and what keeps them there. I'm Chris Stryer. Stay with us. Roland is an entrepreneurial firebrand who's the co-founder of five of Inc.'s fastest growing companies. So as you can imagine, he hasn't got a lot of time to spare. A few months back, Roland started thinking about all the requests he got asking for free advice. Whenever he could respond, he was happy to oblige. But the problem was, sometimes he'd never hear back from the person he'd just helped. And he'd be left wondering, did they follow my advice or did I just waste my time? I love what I do. I love helping people. I like people. But around November of last year, when I was setting my goals, thank you, Dennis Waitley, for 2020, I was thinking about my time and, you know, I have income goals, time goals, all those kinds of things. And I was like, I'm kind of wasting my time. And I'm doing them a disservice as well because there's no skin in the game for them to listen to me and take me seriously and and want to get a return on the investment in working with me. So um, to stem that tide of direct messages uh, in November of 2019, I said, um, hey, the way that I do this is I'm happy to give you free advice within the amount of available time that I've got. I don't have a lot of time. And if I answer a question and then you come back and ask for follow-up, which a lot of people do, there's a good chance that I won't be able to respond. But if you want to have a consultation, then here's how that works. The investment, I say, in particular, as opposed to the fee, is $18,000 is what I started at. Now it's twenty-five. dollars 
that's for a half day of up to four hours and we'll go over whatever you want to go over. So I made that decision. I was like, that's what I'm going to do so that I can weed out all the people who aren't going to listen to me anyway. Weed out the people that aren't willing to invest in themselves because if they aren't willing to invest in themselves this way, then the chances of them actually taking it seriously enough to implement what we talk about is pretty low. And I remember it was at our War Room Mastermind in Deer Valley in November that I got a message, the first message that I responded that way. And it was a gentleman named Clint Salter from the Dance Studio Owners of America. And uh, he said, hey, I got a question for you about this and this and this and this. And I said, the way that I do this is blah, blah, blah. You know, and, and um, I figured I'd never hear from him again. I went and did the little speaking thing I had to do and came back up to the room. And I checked uh, my Facebook messages and he was like, okay, where do I wire the money? And I was like, huh, that's interesting. Um, All right, well, I'll send you the agreement. I sent it to him again, figured I would never hear back. And then he sent me back. He's like, okay, wired the money. (laughs) I was like, and I checked and it came in. I was like, all right, let's do this. My first official paid uh, consult. And we, we met and, and I was able to help him quite a bit. And, uh, and we've, we've gone on to, to do more things together. So I, I just basically started doing that and I found that it was really effective. And I, I think I've probably done 24 of those or so now in the last year. I actually raised the price because it was, I was doing too many. And again, what's bad about consulting is that you're building someone else's brand and you right. get paid one time and the things that you share with them, which could be worth hundreds of thousands or millions in a relatively quick amount of time and in perpetuity doesn't ever come back to you. So what I decided to do was to kind of modify that a little bit. And now I have the fee raised, but my goal is when I talk to somebody about doing it, if I don't see it as something that I feel I would like to go forward and maybe be an advisor or get some equity in in some way, I won't do the consult. And so now I use it really as a filter before looking at becoming an advisor. And I do it when somebody asks also, you know, hey, can you be an advisor in my company? I'll give you some equity. It's like, meh, you know, before we do that, let me see that you invest in yourself and in your company. And let's let me also get to know the company, but get paid for it. And so it's become kind of a combination of vetting and staging, vetting so that I I don't waste my time and I only deal with people that are serious and staging so that I'm set up to be, I am good at what I do. When somebody hires me to do something like that, I know I can deliver the value and then they walk away. And I would say 70% of the time I get an offer to, you know, hey, I'd love to, how do I work with you more? And then that can lead to really cool things. And um, just recently, it was a, um, a guy's doing about a million a week in his business at a 30% margin. And it was 25K consult. We only spent an hour and a half and he said, I got it. I'm got everything I need. And I'd like to have you part of the company. And so it's a great way just all across the board to get something for the time that you spend and also to act as a regulator on the amount of time you spend, because it's very easy to spend all your time building other people's brands for free and um, they never do anything, which is the most frustrating thing of all. And, you know, I really wanted to jump in here. You know, you're an expert marketer. You've grown many companies from anywhere from $3 million to nearly $4 billion in value. You, you're the co-founder of numerous businesses. And, and recently you started this, the Epic Challenge. So what is the epic challenge and who is it for? So the the story behind that is that I decided I wanted to 
kind of share my system for growing companies, I'm particularly big on leverage. What are the things that you can do that will get you the most leverage to get you the results the fastest? Not as in a hacky kind of way, like put click this button on Facebook type thing, but really strategically. And so September of 2017, I put together a course that I called Leverage, Exit, Grow, Scale. Uh, it should really be Leverage, Grow, Scale, Exit, but that doesn't spell legs. So I wanted something that was an acronym. <laughs> so I started teaching it in September of 2017 and then taught it several times and evolved it and it grew and grew. And what I did was I just went back and took my over the like the previous five years and took all the presentations I had and took the things that people had the strongest reaction to of sharing, you know, that really blew my mind, that changed my perspective. So I was evolving that and it had gotten to the point where it was about seven or eight days of content that I was trying to deliver in two days. And so then I started having to take things away and all. So I was in San Diego uh, in March of this year as everything shut down about to teach that course. And I was teaching it to small groups, like 25 people, $3,000 a piece. And um, I had to actually send the people home because it was like, like they had flown in to do the thing. And the hotel was like, yeah, we're, it's shut down. We can't do it now. And um, I, I was thinking, gosh, I don't think this is going to last that long, but I, how do I get the message out during a time when things are shut down? And a friend of mine, Pete Vargas introduced me to a gentleman named Pedro Adeo, who has since become a friend who um, he and Pete had done a bunch of challenges, including for Tony Robbins and placed really high in sales. And, and Pedro had done it across like in the Christian market, in uh, e-commerce, in info. And so my partner, Ryan Dice and I were at uh, uh, Grant Cardone's event, 10X in Las Vegas the week before this. And we were meeting with the people from Infusionsoft Keep about a deal we were doing. And then both Pete and Ryan were speaking at Grant's event. So I just said, and I, this is something that I find to be really helpful when you travel, if you can, uh, anytime that you're going really anywhere, but particularly if you're going to an event, rent a hospitality suite instead of just a normal room, a room that has an, a bedroom, but has another room where there are couches and ideally a board table. And um, when I check in, I say, can you get me a whiteboard and a flip chart up to that room? So I have a hospitality suite. I've got a whiteboard. I've got a flip chart. I'm ready to strategize with anybody, mm -hmm. anytime. Maybe nobody will come, right? Cool. I'll have my room service at a big board table. I, I want to jump right in too. And if you just said, hey, come up to my hotel room and there wasn't the whiteboard. And it's kind of weird. Hard. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I, uh, and that's actually what happened is I uh, ran into Pete at the, at Grant's thing back in the green room. And Pete said, you know, hey, I want you to meet my buddy, Pedro. He wants to, you know, be a part of the war room and we doing these challenge things. And I was like, would you guys how about, why don't you come by? I'd like for you to break this challenge thing down. And I wasn't thinking I was going to do anything with it. So um, they come by and explain everything and he, you know, whiteboards it out. So now, you know, I take a picture of it. I've got everything. And then the world shuts down and I'm, I'm like, okay, what am I going to do? And so I called my uh, marketing guy that I had just hired that week. And I said, look, let's do a challenge. And he said, okay, when do you want to do it? And I said, Thursday. And he's like, what the heck? There's no way. What do you mean Thursday? I'm like, I want to do it Thursday. There's no reason we can't just go, you know, and he's like, well, do you have any of the stuff? I'm like, no, but I will have it by Thursday. I'll have it when we start. And, um, and he's like, are you going to sell anything on the back end of it? And I said, yes. And he said, what's it going to be? I said, I have no idea. So then over the next few days, we put that together and we were thinking of 
that a really good home run, I think our projection was a really good home run would be that we um, made about 140, I think it was 148,000 from doing this challenge thing. And we ended up, uh, we spent $9,700 and we ended up doing about $870,000 in that week. And I was like, this is pretty crazy. And what the hook ultimately was, or I wanted to think about like, what do people want right now that's related to this thing that I was teaching that will get them fast results and that also speaks to what's going on in the world. And I, I, so I was thinking the best thing that I can think of to grow a business the fastest in any environment is mergers and acquisitions, to buy other companies or other assets. We're in a crisis right now. There's gonna be a lot of those for sale because there's a lot of businesses that would be failing. The average business in America had about 27 days of cash flow at that time. So it's like, if this thing goes on, this is gonna be really challenging for a lot of right. people. And we can help them by acquiring the businesses and putting them with other businesses. And this could be a really good thing. So we ended up coming up with ethical profits in crisis, which is epic. And rather than teaching all four parts of my leverage exit grow scale, it's just teaching in much more depth, one of the concepts, which is M&A, particularly what we call micro M&A, meaning companies that are under 10 million in value or assets. And so I had over the years, I've been buying and selling companies, you know, since my early 20s. So um, over that time, and I started in real estate when I was 18. So I had all kinds of strategies for not coming out of pocket to buy these companies. And so we said, you know, what what can I give them? Well, I can give them the strategies that I've got for not doing that. And at the time I had 159 and over the, during the shutdown, there's been another 57 that we've developed as a result of the creativity needed to make deals happen in this environment. So I got 216 ways to acquire businesses with no money out of pocket. And that was what ultimately seemed like the best thing to offer. And since then, we're we're just under 4 million in sales of that program. We've had about 20,000 people opt in. We've had about 6,000 people go through it. It's really fun and it's inexpensive. It's 55 bucks. I want people, and I do have people doing deals during this five-day challenge. So they're like, man, I bought a company. I bought a software company. I bought a Facebook group. And so that makes you feel good. It makes them feel good. It keeps everybody very happy. And it also offers the people who want to invest more in themselves to have more in depth, the ability to get that. And I think that's the way to teach that. You know, I've talked to sales people who are like, you can't give them how to do this. Nobody will buy the other thing. I'm like, then I suck. If they don't want more, then then I suck. But I'm not going to trick them into coming in and then say, you know, oh, and if you want the one thing that makes this work. This is kind of self-serving because I was actually, I found you through the Epic Challenge. And I went oh, through cool. the challenge and it kind of brought awareness to my industry of opportunities. And I've done many acquisitions from the challenge. Oh, but, that's uh, awesome. I started thinking about that as a growth lever for our, our audience. Most of our audience and, uh, is personal injury attorneys. Okay. As a couple added challenges, and I kind of want to throw you a curveball for our audience listening, because you know with legal, you've got the non-compete. You've got most of the firms are branded around the owner's name. And then you also have personal injury where maybe you don't know when an, it's not like a business attorney who, ha- who works with a, a book of business that's recurring. What might be some ideas, and this is really on the spot, I know we didn't talk about this, that a personal injury law firm could look at when thinking about acquisitions? Yeah, so as, as you know, since you've been through the program, I have a kind of a wheel of opportunity for existing businesses. The easiest thing that most people think of when they think about an acquisition is a competitor, and certainly attorneys can acquire other law firms. You know, I did it when I practiced law. That is 
a super easy way to acquire additional business. But then beyond that, I have a wheel of the lowest hanging fruit for best opportunities that I think will help the business. So I start thinking about number one, we would like to have more leads. So if we'd like to have more leads in our core business and our core business is a personal injury attorney, then where do my ideal customer, where does my ideal customer profile hang out? Who's already aggregated the attention and eyeballs of that ideal customer profile? So what I would then do is I'd say, who are my best customers in my PI practice? And maybe I would find that there's slip and fall, auto accident is big. What are some of my specialties? Maybe I specialize in motorcycle accident injuries. Then looking at that data of who's my most profitable in terms of margin and time customer and what do they do? Then I'd say, let's say that it's, I find that it's the motorcycle cases because I get to sue all the manufacturers, you know, and the other side. Well, then what I would do is I'd say, then what's the media that's already aggregated the attention and eyeballs of not injured motorcyclists and how do I acquire that media so that then I can place my offer and build a brand in that media. So then I'd go and say, okay, what are the Facebook motorcycle groups? What are the big Instagram channels for motorcycles that, you know, I'm probably not going to get to buy Harley Davidson's, but I might be able to acquire Joe, the cruiser who likes to cruise down the beach on uh, highway 101 in, in California. And I'd start looking at podcasts. I'd start looking at newsletters and then, then I've got the media. Now I own the eyeballs and I've got more leads coming to me. You know, if I've got shows, podcasts, events, you know, groups, all of that kind of stuff, and I have someone posting content in there, not, you know, hey, been injured on your motorcycle, call me. Right. But instead, you know, hey, know your rights. A lot of times I can't believe, you know, here's a story of what happened, you know, and people ride up on your, your tail and don't realize this. And so here's some ways to, you know, to get the space that you need to be safer and um, build that content marketing program across all of your media, now you're the top of mind choice, right? Then the next place would be infrastructure. So can I aqua hire? Meaning who already has relationships with the people who are most likely to refer me business and who can help me scale my business in the best way? Who's already done that. And then I'd make a list of those people. And I don't know what the biggest referral sources might be. I know that like EMTs are a source of referrals. So you don't have to chase the ambulance if the ambulance basically says, you know, hey, you've been hurt. If you need any help, call Joe. And then if it's legal and ethical, you can pay them a referral. If it's not legal and ethical, then you don't have to do that. Again, just get in front of that group of people in a way that you can provide value to them. Then I go over to products and services and say, what are the products and services that my injured people are going to need? Well, we will probably need a court reporter. We'll probably need a physical therapist. We'll probably need some a rehabilitative surgeon, whatever. And then I'd say, what of those things can I buy so that I can say to my customers, hey, I own these things and you need these things. So I recommend you go to this physical therapist. By the way, I have an ownership interest in it, et cetera. Then you go down to supply and distribution. How do I consolidate my supply and distribution chain to increase margin? By the way, 
We got leads from acquiring media. We got infrastructure increased by Acquahire through the team and resources acquisition. We get more revenue and profits and sales and customers from buying additional products and services and creating cross-sell opportunities. Now we're down in supply and distribution. If I can consolidate my supply and distribution chain, then I increase my margin. So what's your supply and distribution chain in a law firm? Well, let's say you're doing content marketing. Maybe you are buying content services from a digital marketing agency. So I would go buy a digital marketing agency. Then I would be their best customer. Maybe I'd bring that in-house, but maybe I'd offer those services to other people too. And then I'd say, okay, um, that's one of my suppliers. Uh, one of my other suppliers might be a court reporting service, might be a uh, 3D modeling service to create recreate those accident scenes and things like that. And so I'd look at acquiring those things. And then IP, what can I do in terms of acquisition of IP assets to increase my business. That's pretty easy if we think about content. Heck, anybody that's been injured, let's say I do the motorcycle thing and I wanna get content to put up in my lead machine because I bought that media. Now I'm gonna say, okay, who's already created a big body of content about motorcycle safety or interesting motorcycle things or anything else? And then I'll go start buying that content. So now I've got all of the leads and infrastructure and margin and cross-selling opportunities that I want. That's how I'd grow that business. We're going to have to add that in the show notes and just really expand on that. I, I think that's incredible. I was taking those fixed costs, those big fixed costs in the content and turn them into profit centers. I was thinking even, you know, your accounting costs and, and yep. things like that and insurance, maybe instead of working with an insurance company, you buy an insurance company. Expert witnesses also. Yeah, absolutely. kind of want to transition over to your podcast just for a moment. Yep. So back in March, you you launched the Business Lunch Podcast and you had an, an episode titled What to Do to Survive and Thrive in the Next 90 Days. You know, with hindsight being everything that's happened in the last seven months and the future uncertainty of COVID, you know, what would be your best advice to businesses, especially attorney listeners over the next 90 days? The biggest thing that I've learned from this is that all businesses are doing significantly better now than they were eight months in. The biggest lesson that I have found is that not surprisingly, freezing and doing things the way you've always done them is going to not serve you well in a rapidly changing environment. And we have a continually evolving environment because cases spike and then they go down and now they spike again. And we don't know, you know, they, they shut everything down and they did PPP loans and support for business. Then they're not going to do any more support for them. It's like this all over the place. So that being the case, it's clear that you need to think about how do I create a chain ready company, a uncertainty friendly company and the way that you do that is that you have a process for continually analyzing the data that is the performance of your company and continually looking out into the market to see who's doing what and then thinking about looking at what they're doing. What else could I do to innovate across everything? And so what I might be thinking doing is if I'm in personal injury, is there the potentiality of liability for people who haven't been liable before for new form of personal injury. Is it possible that bars and restaurants have exposure to lawsuits from people for exposure to COVID because of non-enforcement of legally mandated policies? So then I'd start creating content for those people. If I was in defense, I would be creating content for them saying, you need to think about this and we've got a free kit 
that we're handing out to all restaurants and bars of, you know, what needs to be posted and everything so that you can have the best opportunity to position yourself to defend a case that might come. But never say avoid liability because that sounds like a promise, right? If I was on the plaintiff side, then I, it would probably be, I'd be looking at what are the opportunities for me as a result of this to help people who, who have been negatively impacted by careless transmission or contracting this thing? And how can I create a helpline center to, you know, get them the information need? And then I would be top of mind in the event that something happened where they needed care, particularly I would say for medical malpractice in terms of how is, how are nursing homes? Gosh, that seems like a huge category right now. If I was looking for a new business, I'd be all over providing content to families and uh, occupants of nursing homes about their rights and how to protect yourself and all that kind of stuff. I think that's tremendous advice. And I see many of our, our top, my top clients doing that, creating the nursing home content, creating the coronavirus-based content. They're doing really well with it. So switching over to personal. So I've cruised your Instagram and I know you're a big wine connoisseur. So what's your go-to when it comes to wine? Because myself, the only wine I can even think of is Yellowtail, which I know they sell a lot of. (laughs) Yeah, Yellowtail, I actually make a nice bottle of wine. For me, it it wouldn't, I'll go first, what are the categories that I go to? The, The categories that I generally lean towards are French, white, burgundy, and, um, Napa and French Cabernet and Cabernet blends. Uh, so Bordeaux and particularly Saint-Estef, Saint-Emilion in terms of uh, France and in terms of California, uh, Pritchard Hill and Mount Veter. And then if I go to brands, I would say there are so many in the uh, Ramonet, Coche Drury, Le Flave. Those are some of my top white uh, Burgundy loves, and in terms of which is a Chardonnay grape, by the way, and in terms of the um, Bordeaux blends, I really like uh, in the cabs. Um, I like Hundred Acre, Colgan, Abreu, Futo, and uh, Scarecrow. See if I'm missing. Oh, Bond Harlan. Those are some of my top Lacoya. Those are I have a lot. <laughs> wonderful, wonderful. So in our closing segment here, Roland, we do a rapid three for three. It's just a quick fire round. So just kind of go from your gut and it's final three questions. So first, what is your top search engine optimization tip? It, it's really the, my top search engine optimization tip is that the smartest guy that I know in SEO is Neil Patel and how Neil Patel got to be such a search engine optimization expert is that he went and identified all the keywords that people were searching for search engine optimization. And then he went and bought all of the blogs and media and websites that already ranked for the things that he wanted to rank for. So he instantly ranked for all those things as he acquired those and he's become one of the leading SEO guys out there. So if I wanted to rank high for anything in terms of PI, then I would look at what are my best performing keywords and go see who owns them now and can I buy them from somebody else? If it's a law practice that owns it, can I buy the law practice? If it's a um, content service, even better, I'll just buy that content service. And then I'll now own all of the keywords and my competitors will be like, how the heck did that happen so quick? And uh, which entrepreneur do you admire the most? Boy, I, I really would be hard for me to say a single person, but I really admire 
Sarah Blakely for her ability to not only invent something, but so many inventors invent something and then it gets licensed away, which isn't a bad play, but she did the hard thing. She went and invented and then sold, literally standing on the floor at Neiman Marcus, getting people to buy her stuff. And then Spanx is the brand. And then, um, went and vertically integrated through manufacturing. And I mean, reinvented an industry. So I think that is really impressive. And um, I think she's a super impressive person. And final question here. What is the next thing on your bucket list? On my bucket list, uh, personally, is to go to Antarctica. I'm at 156 countries and counting. I want to see them all. I want to put my feet and spend time in them all. But I only have six continents. And it seems kind of dumb that I haven't been to Antarctica. So that's, it was actually on my list this year for uh, February. But then they shut everything down. So it's uh, probably going to be the year after that. Wow. I hope you guys were taking notes because Roland shared so many great tips during the interview. Even though business can seem particularly tough given our current climate, I think Roland proves that if you're willing to think laterally and come up with a new approach, there are ways to overcome the challenges and even thrive. You've been listening to the Rankings Podcast. I'm Chris Dreyer. A huge thanks to Roland Frazier for joining us today. And you can find more info as always in the show notes. And we wanna hear from you. Have you tried the Epic Challenge? Leave us a review and let us know how it's going. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time.